Hello, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching today. We're talking about the greatest commandment. You know, one of the experts in the law, this was uh, before the cross. Remember, before the cross is Old Covenant. um, And death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the New Covenant. So the New Covenant, uh, the dividing line, um, begins at the cross. So there's no confusion. One of the experts in the law of Moses went to Jesus and asked him a question and said, Teacher, which command in the law is the most important? And notice how the expert in the law asked Jesus the question, um, which commandment in the law is the most important? So right there, we have to understand that as grace believers, we're not under the law. So keep that in mind. And then Jesus answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and most important command. And the second command is like the first, love your neighbor the same as yourself. All the law and the writings of the prophets take their meaning from these two commands. Now keep in mind here that we under the new covenant are responders. And God is the initiator. But notice here... Um, what Jesus is doing, he's showing the experts in the law, he's giving them um, a, a need for his righteousness. He knows they don't have a righteousness that surpasses his. See, remember what righteousness is. Um, God's righteousness is just to be right with him. And it's by grace through faith in his son is that um, received. Um, and so keep in mind now, um, another thing I wanted to show you here, to love God. Now, how do you suppose the experts in the law are doing in this area? Well, he's burying them, and I'll show you why he's burying them. To love God under the new covenant, we're going to find out that John is going to tell us um, that to love God is to believe in Jesus Christ. And they are not doing that. They're not believing Jesus is who he says he is. They're actually rejecting him. So they're breaking that commandment. Um, to believe in God, to believe in his son. Um, The second one um, is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, keep in mind, um, they're persecuting Christians, the experts in the law, and, uh, you know, thinking they're doing a service for God. And so keep in mind, how are they uh, loving their neighbor? Um, Not so well. Um, In fact, Saul, um, before his conversion, Um, He was having Christians, he was an expert in the law of Moses, and he was having Christians persecuted. Um, And he was, you know, having them stoned to death. So, and and not only that, but Jesus goes even farther to say, you know, if your right eye causes you to sin, again, he's addressing the experts in the law, showing them a need for his righteousness. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It's better for you to go to heaven with one eye than to go to hell with two. And then he says this. He says, if your right arm causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to go to heaven with one arm than to go to hell with two. Then he goes even farther. And he says, look, if you've looked at a woman with lust, you've committed adultery in your heart. Well, what's he doing? He's burying them under the law, you see. And so he's trying to show them their need to believe in him and... uh, to show them they don't have a righteousness that surpasses his. Keep in mind, folks, we were not invited to the law. Um, The old covenant uh, was between God and the nation people of Israel. The new covenant is between God the Father and the followers of Christ Jesus. 
The old covenant is where man reached up to God through self-effort in hopes of gaining his love and acceptance. New covenant is where God reaches down to man with love and acceptance through Jesus Christ. Now, because of the obedience of the one man, Jesus Christ, we were made right with God. But keep in mind, now we're dead to the law of Moses and uh, married to another, to him who was raised from the dead. Um, Christ was the end of the law, so everyone who believes in him is made right with God. Those who are led by the Spirit are no longer under the law, you see. And so the law of Moses, the law of the church, the law of self, Ten Commandment laws. Keep in mind those laws, the laws of Moses, keep in mind the laws of Moses, get it? 611 of them were from Moses to man, and only two of those were from God, so keep that in mind. But all of those laws went to the cross for the new creature in Christ. And so that's the good news. So what about um, loving God under this new covenant? So um, how do you love God? I always heard the pastor saying, oh, God, we love you. Father, we love you. What does that mean? How do you do that without initiating? You see, because we're responders under the new covenant. So I was always curious. Well, 1 John 5, 3 tells us living, loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Now, when you think of something that's not burdensome, what do you think about? I think about drinking a cold glass of water on a hot day. Or maybe if I'm hungry, I think about sitting down and receiving lunch or breakfast or food, you know, when I'm hungry. Just getting a need met, you see. And so that's when I, when I think about something that's not burdensome, I think about responding to something that fulfills a need. You get it? And so no more laws, just a response to Jesus Christ and his love transmitted to others. You see? And so John gives us this in 1 John 3, 23. Keep in mind, this is the same John that uh, wrote uh, John in the Gospels. Okay? And he says this. See if I can. He says, um, let's see where we're at. Okay, first John 5 3, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Okay, so we left off there. Um, first John 3 23 tells us, and this is his command, commandment, we must believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another just as he commanded us. Keep in mind here, the commandment is what? To believe in Jesus Christ. And that means, the word believe means to accept him. Because even Satan believes in Jesus, but he doesn't accept him. Okay, And to love one another, we don't live for Jesus. We don't love people for Jesus. We don't do ministry for Jesus. We live from Christ. And as we live from his life-giving spirit, we will bear his character of love for one another. Okay, so washing the disciples' feet. You know, let's go back a little bit. When Jesus was around the table and he was washing the disciples' feet, he comes around to Peter and he finally gets over there and and he says to Peter, Peter, you don't know what I'm doing right now, but you will later. Keep in mind, Jesus has given us a picture and the disciples a picture of what's to come. You see, when he washes the disciples' feet, it's a picture of 1 John 4.10. This is love. We didn't love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away all of our sins. So he's giving them a picture of cleaning the whole world of sins. 
And not only this, but he's showing or giving as an example of the resurrection, which is the full extent of his love for the church when he actually goes down and does the action of washing the disciples' feet. And he says to Peter, Peter says, look, I'm not going to let you wash my feet, which is kind of a mistake because Jesus says, look, if you don't let me wash your feet, you don't have no part with me. You, You can't even be my disciple. Wow. And Peter freaks out. and He's like, okay, then wash my hands as well. You know, wash my whole body. (laughs) So he wanted to follow him. But then, you know, in John 13, verses 14, he goes on to say this. Now that I, the Lord, your teacher and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Okay. Now keep in mind, as born again, new creatures in Christ, Today, we are forgiven, right, and loved unconditionally by our Heavenly Father. And this has nothing to do with physical performance or behavior. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. You see, and now what we do and and what this means and how this applies in our life today is we just remind each other, we wash each other's feet and remind each other that He took away all of our sins. We are forgiven people, past, present, and future sins, have all been removed. When God looked down at humanity, he cleared the whole deck of sins. He placed past, present, and future sins from everyone, dumped them on his son Jesus, and it wiped him out. Okay? So remember, this new covenant forgiveness was final and unconditional, and it was based entirely on what Jesus Christ did. So what about the new covenant, the greatest new covenant commandment? I'm going to call this. Because Jesus gives the new commandment, and it's found in John 13, 34, and 35. He says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. Keep in mind here, we don't do for Jesus. We live from Christ. We're the responders. So, the commandment to love one another is, first of all, responding to his love that he has for us. Jesus is in us. We're one spirit with him. We are forgiven people. We are clean. He's close. He's facing us. He loves us. We're lovable to him because of what he did for us at the cross. Now he wants to love one another. He wants to love others through us. And the way this is going to work is as we live from the life-giving spirit to bear his character of love. Jesus gives our need for abiding in him in John 15, 5. Keep in mind to abide in Christ. You've heard, you know, where Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Keep in mind the word abide just means to live in. It's like you're living in the state that you're in right now. And uh, as you live there, you're abiding there. And so keep in mind the spiritual application is the same. We live in Christ. And that's what it means to abide. And we get up in the morning each morning and say, Father, thank you that I abide in Christ and that he abides in me. And that means he lives in us for the purpose of living through us. And so we're going to get to participate with him on this. But remember, his character is the fruit of the Spirit found in Galatians 5.22. And it's only going to be bared. We're only going to be able to bear this to others as we live from his life, trusting him as our very life and source to bear this character to others. God bless. Hello there, my name is Brad. We are Grace Teaching Today.
me ask you a question. How do you get right with God? And how do you stay right with God? And how does God the Father going to get his children to want to do what's right? Those are uh, three questions that we're going to try to answer today through the scripture. Um, Keep in mind here, Romans 310, the Apostle Paul is going to tell us, it is written, no one is right with God, no one at all. So, you know, that's a big problem. So everybody that enters into this world really is not right with God. Um, Many, many people and religions out there um, trying to get right with God. You know, there's some people actually out there that say, you know, if you're a good person, you can be right with God. Or if you are in a, belong to a certain religion, they'll tell you, you know, if you do certain things in our religion um, and, and you're a good person and you do a lot of good things in your life for people, um, then you can, you know, be right with God. But again, the scripture is telling us in Romans 3.10, no one is right with God. No one at all. And so if no one is right with God, how can a person get right with God? That's uh, what we're going to look at today. Now I'm going to give you two possible answers and I'm going to let you answer A or B. A, the answer to this question, how can a person get right with God, is ask God to forgive you of all your sins. B, becoming right with God depends on a person's faith and faith means belief. If you pick B, your answer is correct. The good news shows how God makes people right with himself from the beginning to the end. Becoming right with God depends on a person's faith. For it is written, those who are right with God will live by faith. And so that comes from Romans 1.17. To our next question, how does a person stay right with God? You know, we used to think that if we would just confess our sins as we would commit them, then we could always be right with God. But as long as we confessed and asked for forgiveness for those sins. And so the problem is with that, folks, is what if you miss one? Well, then you're going to get at the pearly gates and the Lord's going to say, you missed one. I'm sorry, you can't come in. You're not right with God. See see the problem there? Um, and so... <clears throat> Um, How does a person stay right with God? Um, Let's take a look at this, number A. And I'm going to give you two possible answers. Um, And so we're going to answer A or B. A, um, the answer to how does a person stay right with God? Continue to keep records of all your sins and make sure you ask God for forgiveness. Or B, our belief, our faith keeps us right with God. If you pick B, then you are correct. It's our faith that keeps us right with God. And again, faith means belief. Romans 4.22 tells us God accepted Abraham because he believed. He, so his faith made him right with God, you see. And so our faith makes us continuously right. Also, now that we are right, we live by faith. Okay? So that means belief. We live and we trust that we're always okay 
with our Father, and this has nothing to do with our physical performance or behavior. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The third question, how do we do what's right? How is God the Father going to continue or teach us how to do what's right? <clears throat> A. Two possible answers here. You guess which one, A or B. A. Pull up your bootstraps and stop sinning, you dirty, rotten sinner. Or B. Knowing we're always right with God, regardless of behavior or performance, will cause us to want to do what's right. If you guessed B, guess what? You are correct. Knowing we're always right with God, regardless of our performance or behavior, will cause us to want to please our Father. In fact, 1 John 4.19 tells us we love God, our Father, because He first loved us children. So remember, the catalyst for change in the body of Christ is not to beat up the congregation and condemn and judge them for what they're not doing or for what they are doing. Rather, catalyst for change in the body of Christ is to recognize that we are loved unconditionally and this has nothing to do with physical performance or behavior. Now, as children of God, remember, we are always led by the Spirit. It's not something we have to try to do. It's something that's happening all the time. So today, let's thank the Holy Spirit for not only teaching us our Heavenly Father's love, for revealing His love to us, but for directing, guiding us, and leading us.